You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 94. Not 93, not 92. Apparently, we screwed that up last week. <laughs> My bad. But he was only reading the cue card. Yeah, this was written in by a listener, so... Oh, God. Shame, shame, shame. Making that walk right now. Nude and everything. He's just mm -hmm. naked walking through his complex. Starting off the episode with a shame. That's 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 a that's a good start. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about things like pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, theme parks, and since we live in or or since we live in Florida, the occasional story about a guy being arrested at a golf course for sticking his penis in one of those ball wash stations. Not again, but they Greg. said it was to wash my balls. The both of you? He he said what our alibi was my name is rob and as always i'm joined by jimmy i'm so embarrassed by you too and greg okay so a couple weeks ago last week right it was uh, amazon prime day or amazon oh prime days mm -hmm. you bought a ball washer didn't you did not i thought i got out of it like pretty much unscathed i i went and i i bought a couple of, like phone cables just to be able to charge my kids phone basically and then I get this notification that something is being delayed. I was like, huh? And I looked and apparently at like three o'clock in the morning on one of the nights, I woke up and decided to buy a uh, squatty potty. <laughs> nice. Also a bottle of like $15 or $19 uh, soy sauce. That mm. now that the deal with that is I had been watching the uh, salt, fat, acid, heat show on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed a, this guy that was making soy sauce, like, in Japan, the old way it used to be made. Like, in a barrel, no caramel color, no fake stuff. It was, you know, aged and whatever. So that part I get because I did put it in my shopping cart. So that was just in the shopping cart. But the Squatty Potty, I don't know where that came from. I, I still have not gotten it yet. But maybe if on a slow week, we'll have a in-depth review the Squatty Potty. Maybe, or we could just review the soy sauce, which might be better. Yeah, let's, I'd rather do that. It's really good. Or you could review the soy sauce while... Perched on, on the squatty potty? Yeah, there you go. Excellent. So this week, we're going to chat a little bit about The Last Czars and Lion King. And we're also going to continue our Summer of the 80s throwback special episodes with the 80s movie Beastmaster. Hell Yes. And, of course, after we get done, we'll come up with a top five list relating to our topics. And it's a fun one. It is. This is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers about a movie that came out in, what was it, 1982, 1983, 1982? I think it was 82. Yeah. 82. Uh, Beastmaster, 1982. Uh, so, and also, if you will talk about this. If you had cable back then, you saw it, whether you wanted to or not. Uh, hey, Beastmaster's on. Yeah. We will try to avoid HBO. all sorts of major twists, uh, but if we're talking to, about something you haven't seen, read, listened to yet, use your own discretion, go watch, listen, or read that thing and come back. 
news. What do you got? Um, well, I found out today, and I, I'm trying to Google mm. it to see if it's a hoax or anything, but... Um, it's not, unfortunately. It's, it's not? Oh, that's Mm-mm. a shame. Apparently, Rutger Hauer passed away. Yep. And as as a tribute, we may have to go watch Hobo with a Shotgun and review it. Oh, our so episode. good. Such a great, cheesy-ass yeah, grindhouse movie. Gonna have to do that. It features a hobo with a shotgun. With a shotgun. (laughs) No one, literally no one can complain that they didn't get what they asked for with that movie. And, and I gotta tell you that one of the last lines of the, of that movie is, is absolute gold. The, do you remember the scene where he's like talking to the, uh, to the guy that he's been hunting or whatever he's got and they're surrounded by the cops and he's got his shotgun on him. And he turns to him, you know, he knows he's going to die. And he turns to the guy and he says, you and me are going to hell and you're riding shotgun. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So amazing. <laughs> That's so great. Yes. Also in Blade Runner, uh, True mm-hmm. Blood. I forgot he was in Batman Begins. Lady Hawk. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. Uh, 75 mm-hmm. years old. Short, following a short illness. He did have a couple movies on the slate. There was some sort of uh, Christmas Carol type movie. So see what happens there how much he's filmed and all that stuff uh jimmy you've got all of the news so we'll kind of yeah, bounce back i've and got here. all of the news yeah so let's talk a little bit about uh what's happening over at marvel shall we yes. oh i was gonna bring that up too if nobody else talked about it mm. we talking about the, the sdcc reveal yeah I, I, yep, we are. I was, I was actually very concerned, you know, Avengers was this big buildup and what's next, you know, Mm -hmm. they've, they've used a lot of the major storylines. There's a couple that they haven't. Some of the entire storylines became single movies and stuff like that. But well, what we got. Yep. So I guess we are now referring to, uh, Marvel stage three as the infinity saga. And now that that's over. Kevin Feige took to the stage in Hall H at San Diego Comic Con, which Hall H that means uh, Hall absolutely H is the, nothing the to large me. Large hall. It's the the big one where almost every major okay. movie event has been announced the past um, ten years. All the all the big yeah. stuff happens. Okay, so announced as part of Marvel Stage Four, we've got movies including and in this order: Black Widow, The Eternals. Chang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, what's being labeled as the first horror film in the MCU, unless you count Blade, but we'll get to that. Thor, Love and Thunder with Taika Waititi returning to Helm and passing Muldenir to Natalie Portman. She will be a female incarnation of Thor. Interesting that she came back after being gone for a while. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And that does line up with the the comics. So what is is Hemsworth just stepping down? Is he not going to be Thor anymore, or how do, nope, how does he's that work? In it. From what I read, it seems like they're going to pull very heavily from Jason Aaron's run on Thor, which is which is pretty recent over the past okay. five years or so. It was really cool because they actually did like three eras of Thor. They did like the the younger kind of brash warlord Thor, which you've seen at the beginning of some mm-hmm. of the Thor movies, and then you then they showed like the the more Avengers era heroic thor and then later he's a lot more Fat like thor. what we <laughs> no yeah it, it he actually was more like um like odin you know more of the the kingly like have to make the right decision not necessarily a, a hero willing to go the dark route and somewhere in all of that there was a female thor 
and Natalie Portman apparently will be playing it. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah, that'll but, be cool. Uh, of the other ones you mentioned, the Shang-Chi thing mm-hmm. is interesting. That was a, a big character in the 70s, but that's very clearly uh, there you know, for the, more for the, the Chinese market because he's a Chinese mm-hmm. hero. Um, using the Legend of the Ten Rings means we're probably going to get an actual version of yeah, the Mandarin. Yeah, they, they've already yes. announced that the Mandarin will be the villain in that. The actual yeah. Mandarin, not the uh, the Ben Kingsley uh, huckster. Mm-hmm. They should have the uh, the actual Mandarin like eviscerate Ben Kingsley because I think he's actually still alive and running around out there. Hmm. Who, Ben Kingsley uh, or the character? <laughs> the, well, both. Okay. Both. Wow. <laughs> Eternals I know very little about. I need to kind of read up on them. I read that and it's the, uh, a group of immortal beings who look after Earth. That's all I know about it. And and see, from that description, I'm like, where the F were they when Thanos was trying to kill the universe? Because because the mm-hmm. whole thing was was the the Eternals are basically a group of uh, beings, I guess, who actually have a polar opposite, being the the Infernals or the 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 I don't remember. There was there was a term, but Thanos was one of them. And if he was here threatening Earth, and they're supposed to have he was they were the Titans. No, I think no, it was um started with a D. Well, you keep talking. Okay. I'll look that up. So. He, Thanos was apparently one of them, and if they were, at, and the story is that they've been here on Earth, like learning and doing stuff and being part of the Earth culture. But if they were here, where the hell were they during Thanos's invasion? That doesn't make any sense, unless it's something that they did. As uh, the there it is, deviants. Unless it was something. How did you not know that word? Like you have never been called that. I well, I wasn't called that today, so I forgot about it. Not today. Um, not until just now. <laughs> that's right. So unless it was something that they decided to do like after Thanos's invasion as a like a precautionary measure, then OK. But if it's something where they've like magically been on the planet for for eons learning and studying and stuff, then I'm like, well, where where were you on that one, guy? You dropped the ball. Yeah. Probably playing skee ball. Yeah. Yeah. As new beings to Earth do. Uh, and the Thor Love and Thunder logo was is freaking awesome. It is. It is. It is so He-Man, Masters of the Universe. I fell in love with it the second I saw it. The last movie at San Diego Comic-Con was Blade. There it is. Hell yes. And this incarnation of Blade is starring Maharshala Ali. Uh, Wesley Snipes was interviewed on comicbook.com. And I'll just sum it all up so I don't read all of this. He says he has no problem with it. It was a little bit of a shock. But congratulations, and he is looking forward to hopefully someday working together. Y'all better give Mr. Snipes a cameo. Uh, he was uh, infamous, infamously very uh, hard to work with on Blade Trinity, but uh, let's let bygones be bygones and at least let the man kill well, what a vampire. I, what I don't understand is why was it a shock? I mean, the dude's what a hundred years old. Did he expect that they were going to offer him the role? It's so funny that Jim, Jimmy said that. Today. Yeah, no, he had been hopeful in the past when interviewed about it that he uh-huh. would be contacted. He still thinks he can, so um, you know that's his baby. And you know, he was he was a little shocked to hear that it wasn't going to be him, but he's happy for <laughs> Marshall Ali. <laughs> he's like a hundred years old. He can't know. He's it was what fifty one, fifty two, I think. Then they uh, mentioned some of their streaming shows, and some of these look really interesting. Um, yeah, they do. For, uh, first of all, the logo for WandaVision is kind of weird. Uh, Wesley Snipes is actually 56, and WandaVision is the dumbest name they could possibly think of. Yeah. They could have called it Wanda and Vision, but WandaVision, it just 
sounds like some well the comic used to be called vision and the scarlet witch which i kind of liked yeah it was like a it was a long running comic and back in the 80s. and the big thing about this one is it's it supposedly takes place after the events of Endgame. So Vision is actually dead, and they haven't really disclosed how it is that Vision comes back. So this is all supposed to take place... The story will be yeah, this is all supposed to take place after. So, it's, And they did mention something about Wanda and her powers. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that might play a huge role in how Vision comes back. It sounds to me, based on the name... And this information that maybe it's just her sitting on a like a lazy boy and she's got a little like little tiny old TV next to her that vision communicates to her through and they <laughs> review bad movies. <laughs> well, Fingers then crossed. I'd watch that. Uh, yeah. The uh, the big one that caught my eye. Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say the, the one I'm interested in, but go ahead. Tell me which one yours is. It's probably the same as mine. What if? Yep. That would be the one. I used to love those comics. They would do like, you know, what if Captain America died for real in World War II? Or what if this happened? Or what if that? And then they would tell the story. That could, That has a potential to be really fun. It is animated. Mm-hmm. But I hope it's like a high-quality animation and not something they just kind of push off. It could be really fun. And a really good vehicle for like other writers from different genres to kind of jump in there and write stories. Mm-hmm. And. And also, as far as streaming streaming shows go, they're also going to have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which actually could be pretty funny because I really enjoyed their um, their banter, like mm-hmm. during Civil War. I thought they worked really well together. Um, you know, the the big battle at the airport when they were yeah, yeah. fighting Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I, I I I really think they can can actually pull that off and actually make it pretty interesting. And then we've also got Hawkeye, and another one that will star Tom Hiddleston. And he's going to be reprising his role as Loki in Loki's own series. He's getting his own series. And basically, from what I understand, this is the Loki that stole the Tesseract and disappeared during the raid to try and get the Tesseract in Endgame. So it's going to be featuring mm -hmm. that version of Loki, who actually actually will be more... I I believe the term they used was more of a dick, because this is the Loki that is pre... That happened before all of the growth that Loki had as an actual character where he kind of buddied up to Thor and mm. had had some some emotional growth what and whatnot. But this is all going to be Loki growing up without that. Well, not growing up. I mean, he's already a grown god, but you get the idea. Yes, it is. His character growth. Yes. I, I hopefully see this going in a different direction. I hope it's just Tom Hiddleston running around in the Loki costume, pulling people's pants down. This is why Jimmy doesn't get his own television station. I should no. have one. And that that may be another 80s. That may be my choice for the next 80s. What? Uh, Tom Hiddleston pulling down people's pants? No, getting your own TV station. That would be UHF with Weird Al. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, uh, one, one other note about the movies. Did you notice that a lot of the movies mm-hmm. actually have female directors? I did not. I did. They're, they're, they've got a lot of female directors. I think Taika Waititi. Was Taika Waititi the only one? Because I think Black Widow, The Eternals, and Chang Shi were definitely female directors. Yes. Yeah, so other news, uh, guys, it's looking like we're going to be getting some sequels to Mad Max Fury Road, which okay. I am super excited about. The legal issues hampering George Miller from creating these sequels uh, are now clearing up. And according to the director, he told IndieWire, there are two stories, both involving Mad Max and also a Furiosa story. So... He goes on to say, we're still solving. We've got to play out the Warners thing, meaning the uh, legal 
issues he had with Warner Brothers, and he added, it seems pretty clear that it's going to happen. I say bring it on. Huge fan of those movies, the originals, and we might talk about them a little bit later. Now it's time for our new weekly segment, Weird Shit in Florida. Well, we live in Florida, and weird mm-hmm. shit happens. It's every day. Weird shit, weird shit in Florida. We got this harmony thing down. Boom. Nailed it. So I've got a little bit of an update to the story we talked about last week. Oh, no. On episode 93, 92, 92, not 92, actually 93. The most episode we've ever done. Yeah, and it's actually not a very happy update, unfortunately. Uh, Alex Bonilla, the man accused of cutting off the man's penis of his wife's lover, uh, has also been charged (laughs) with... It totally says lawyer. (laughs) It does. Uh, He's also been charged with child abuse that could cause physical and mental injury. As two minors in the victim's home witnessed Bonilla, who was armed, enter the residence and force the bed, uh, the victim into a bedroom. Uh, his bond was set at $1.25 million, so hopefully he will never see uh, freedom again because it sounds pretty awful. And uh, no update, um, you know, far less important, um, but no update on the victim's appendage. Well, after that, I feel like I should probably do some good Florida news. Please do. Because I did. I did see some good Florida news. There was a story about a a guy that swam out into the ocean to rescue a bear that had (laughs) wandered into the ocean. They they tranquilized it, and it got confused, and it ran the wrong way. Oh, no. Started going deeper and deeper and deeper, and the dude basically swam out there and put the bear in a headlock and dragged it in. But see, I didn't prepare that story because I didn't expect your story. Uh, there was also some story about a guy that ran into someone's house and like carried out somebody's grandmother because it was on fire. The house, not the grandmother. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, the, which one? Yeah. Um, stop, drop, and roll, kids. Uh, but no, this is me. What we've got here is um, a Florida man who was accused of masturbating in a Walmart parking lot determined that... Hold on. You said, this is me. This is me that has that has picked the story to talk about. Not me that was arrested. Because my name Mm. is not Trenton James Rich, nor do I live in Pensacola. But Mm. he was accused of masturbating. So what did Trenton James Rich do? Yep, In a Walmart parking lot. And when he was being arrested, he grabbed the deputy's buttocks and said, let me just feel it. Hmm. Uh, Not a thing that you want to do. Really none of those things. Yeah, You don't want to ever be in a Walmart parking lot. You don't want to be naked and masturbating outside or in a Walmart parking lot. Or in a Walmart for that matter. And you probably don't want to grab a deputy's buttocks. Probably not. Uh, let's see. He gave his name when the cop came up to him. Found him. They found him on a picnic table. Uh, they gave his name and exposed his genitals and said, suck on it. Shortly after, amid a brief God. tussle, he allegedly stepped back, put his hands into a karate chop stance, and started swinging them at the deputy. He then tr- tried to grab the deputy's oh, man. rear end. He has now faces six charges, assaulting an officer, battery, indecent exposure, and resisting arrest. Uh, yeah. So... Good work. That was the officer a male or a female? Because it would make it slightly more funny if it was a male. I don't. It would make it a lot less funny if it was a female. That is yes. Um, it doesn't. Stay. And and if it was a female, she should have tased him. A Florida man who was just as deputy. Right, that it does not say. Well, we might have to have more news next next week to figure this because it does not. Meaning they probably don't want that to uh, you know be revealed. 
everyone in the in the comments, which is never a good place to go, especially on a Florida story, assumes mm-hmm. that it's a uh, a guy. But now I'm going to get out of that cesspool and then burn my computer. Okay, that's what I got there. All right. Well, we're gonna move on from weird shit in Florida to our first topic of the night, and that's gonna be the Netflix movie, I believe, Last Czars. It's really it's a docu series, last movie. Okay. Okay. This is where it's interesting. So I'm not sure what to think about this. I did enjoy it. I love history. So whenever a well-produced, and I'm doing air quotes, thing hits Netflix or Hulu or whatever documentary or whatever, I'm going to watch it. Um, I think that the end of the Romanov dynasty is one, incredibly interesting, and two, incredibly sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a history teacher that back in high school that was a huge fan of that. So he would talk to us about like all the stuff that happened, but there's so much intricacies and we don't really know the truth because everyone was trying to, uh, I think the word would be like besmirch everyone else back at that era because there was large mm-hmm. groups of people that were following one person, you know, like fighting against the czar. Okay. So when the czar dies, they need to say that all the stuff he was doing was bad. It was just every possible route, including Rasputin and all that stuff. Yeah, history is written by the victors. Yeah. And in Russia, we still it took many, many years till we we actually got into the archives, and they destroyed a lot of the stuff. So um, it does tell the story of the end of the Romanov dynasty. So that's um, basically the right at the beginning of World War One, all the way through about um, uh, two thousand or two thousand uh, nineteen, like twenty one or so. they kind of go throughout that whole era. Um, and it's interesting, but they do something I usually don't like. They they have the interviews mm-hmm. with the historians. They have photos and things like that and, vid- and actual video footage of that era and World War One and stuff. But they intersperse it with acted sequences. So there's like, I want to say fictional, but more, you know, acted parts in the middle. And usually that seems that comes off as cheesy to me. I'm not sure. Do you like that stuff or do you hate that stuff by any chance? Like when you're watching a documentary, then they have like an acted out sequence. Mm, it depends. Typically, it doesn't really bother me all that much because I recognize that that's what I'm watching. It does. It really depends on the quality of it. But these happen to be really high end. Um, The actors are all kind of in that like, I've seen you somewhere before range. There are a lot of um, various British actors and stuff. But and the historians are great. And they have I mean, you see footage of these people that you kind of forget that there were cameras back then. And they they cover Rasputin a lot. The quote unquote mad monk who um, got a lot of influence on the royal family and then. World War One broke out, and the Tsar had to leave, and there was talk that yeah. Rasputin was kind of running the country. He's a wild and yeah, crazy like, that's guy. Thing. Like, there's no proof that that's actually true. Like, his followers mm-hmm. were like, "Ah, he couldn't be killed." You know, they found him with water in his lungs after he was shot and poisoned. Blah 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 blah. But when they actually did autopsies, there was no poison in his body, and there was no water in his lungs. He apparently died from the first bullet shot to the head. So, like, no one really knows the true story. Uh, that's where the problem comes in. A lot of the stuff that they talk about here in this show that was recently produced um, actually talks about certain things that has already been proven to be untrue. And there's a very glaring error when they show a section of Red Square that's supposed to be 1905, and right in the middle of the screen, while it is overlapped with a text that says Red Square 1905, they show Lenin's tomb, which is a problem because one, Lenin was just a writer back then at 1905. Two, he didn't die till 1924. So it's like, right. I get maybe budgetarily, that's what they had footage of, but kind of a problem. The, one of the reasons I really like leaned into this was I loved Rasputin because of what cartoon TV show from the 80s? Really? 
Oh, I was, um, I was going to say Anastasia because I no, thought no, that's no. where you were going. And Anastasia and Rasputin and the Bat. But... That would be G.I. Joe. Teenage Russian Ninja Russian Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. No, G.I. Joe. He was one of the parts of Serpentor, and they had a whole episode of, of like going there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they show a lot of that. There's The actor playing Rasputin in those parts is good, but there's a lot of footage of his autopsy and a couple other things, which is actually really interesting. He just looks like he smells terrible. He does. Like, he looks <laughs> like they, the pictures of him, his hair is, like, greased down. He's got this giant beard. He just looks like he smells like beef stew and spoiled sour cream. Like, just, like, ugh. I wouldn't want to be in a room with Rasputin, but like they always say, oh, he was a ladies' man. Like, what? One of the weirder decisions they made is they actually bookended like every episode with the story of Anna Anderson. And she was basically came out and said that she was Anastasia after the rest of the family was killed. Now, Lennon basically said, oh, no, they weren't killed. They escaped, even though he most likely ordered their deaths. So when this person came out and said it was Anastasia, and there was a lot of people that did because there was a lot of money to be had in doing so. They really thought she might have been it, and they they did a lot of tests and stuff. It turned out she was actually just a, a Polish, like, insane person, really. Um, hmm. But Anastasia, of course, you've heard the name a bunch. She was the 17-year-old daughter, and she was killed with the rest of the family on July 17th, 1918. And because of Russia sealing everything off, we really – they first, they found the bodies in the 70s of all but two of the members, but – the Soviet Union was too young at that time to like have this former leader like reappear. So, you know, they were scared the people were going to rise up. So they basically reburied them. And then they were able after stuff, after everything fell in 91, they, I believe they found the bodies again in 94 and the lat and they finally were able to do DNA um, really all the way up to 2007. They finally figured out that one of the bodies they found was just so this, all these people coming out and saying, Oh, I'm Anastasia. They were, fake uh they they actually get into that stuff at the end so it is it's an interesting clip i i don't know if i would suggest someone watch it because they want historical accuracy but i think that it's a really good idea to watch if you want kind of a summary overview of what's going on and then if you find it interesting then go watch read a book about it or i'm sure there's a ton of podcasts out there the the actual history of it so if you want something that's kind of interesting, it will give you a, a Cliff's Notes version of all the stuff that happened. It's like a six-episode series. I watched it basically over two nights. Um, so, And it was called uh, The Last Czars. Not The Last of the Czars. It's something different. And uh, th- just be aware that it does not end happily for the uh, Romanov family. Uh, when they get no. to the, the farmhouse, the uh, I forget what the house is called. It's like the House of Secret Means or something. Is, is that the scene... Is that the scene where where she throws herself off the cliff to save yes. Hawkeye? Yes. I was thinking it. You said it. There you go. Good job, Rob. House of Special Purpose. So the House of Special Purpose, which is this really sinister place that basically, uh, spoiler alert, they basically gun down the entire Romanov family, including their, like, 17-year-old daughter. And I forget how old the son was at the time because I didn't say it was, like, seven or eight years old. Um, and it takes a really long time for them to die because they had sewn jewelry into their clothes so it basically worked as a very expensive bulletproof vest so they had to then bayonet bayonet them to death afterwards so a little dark at the end but kind of an interesting watch i'm gonna announce this next part here real quick because rob needs to save his breath to be angry and to scream for a while yeah <laughs> announce it i'm just gonna back away from there yeah so go ahead and turn your volumes down this week the and doing finger quotes the live action or the, we'll say the realistic looking 
Lion King movie came out. Rob and I saw it. Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> well, let's let's just get away from the fact that this is not a live action Lion King. They basically reanimated an animated movie. All right, that would be this. This is basically tantamount to Pixar redoing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That's essentially what we did here. Yeah, we just we just updated the the. I think all of the actual environments were shot on a real camera, but I, there's they? not a single living animal unless a bug happened to fly on screen. Correct. So, I first off, I want I want to know what your guys' general impression of the movie. Jimmy, did you see Lion King? I did not. Okay. Greg, you saw it. G- give me just your overall feeling of it. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you enjoy it? Did you think it was good? Were there good parts to it? What do you think? It was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. My, I'm not a big fan of seeing the same thing over and over again in different forms. I, I will enjoy seeing the same movie over and over again, but not the movie and then read the book of the exact same movie and then read the and then watch the other version of the movie. So it's hard for me to judge on that level. I was very interested in the way that they kept some of the animals' behaviors going as the animals were interacting with each other, which I thought that was interesting. And I was fascinated by the fact that, like, I felt like if you turned off the vocal tracks, that it could just be a documentary. But that was mostly what I thought. And just like pretty much every single other one of the Disney re- uh, remakes, it seemed unnecessary. Yes. So and now prepare to learn swear words, people. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'll get that crazy, but I, I, I talked with with it about it with Greg at length after I saw the movie because I want Greg to remind me if I forget to to complain about anything. Um, I'll, I'll get the, the good stuff out of the way first because Greg is absolutely correct. Visually, the movie is stunning. It is very pretty. It is very well done. The animals are very well animated. You can tell that that animation and CG has come a long way. So it is it is absolutely a beautiful looking film. The other thing that this movie does really well is and I think it's probably a a factor of the of the computer animation and whatnot, but the battle sequences in this movie are very good. They're they're much better than in the cartoon version. Would you agree, Greg? Yeah, they're more aggressive but they're not bloody i was a little worried that a watership down kind of situation was going to happen <laughs> I yeah did see it with the six-year-old and they there was some blood but it was more like on muzzles like when they're eating right. stuff right so the the battle sequences in this movie were were much better than in the cartoon and overall just the overall look of the movie it is absolutely a beautiful movie it's very stunning visually that being said for those of you who are a fan of the lion king the original cartoon, this movie is subpar. The original animated cartoon is far superior to The Lion King. And there's a couple of things, a couple of glaring things that I that I need to address. And and I, I did some, some digging on, on the internet afterward, and I found out that this actually was a complaint that many other people had as well. And that's the fact that they went so far with the realism and trying to make the creature, the animals look real life, that they took away a lot of the facial expressions that animals don't typically make. The problem is, is at the end of the day, this is still a movie with friggin' talking animals. Okay? Give us a little bit here. Because in The Lion King, a lot of The Lion King's draw 
is the emotional connection that you have to a lot of the characters and to a lot of the events that happen during the movie. And by taking the emotion away from the characters, you're basically removing the connection that you have to these animals. Like when Mufasa died this time around, I didn't feel shit. I was like, oh, okay. Like you said, I felt like I was watching a nature documentary. I, mm. I just didn't really care. I was like, oh, Mufasa's dead. Okay. The, because a lot of the things that that drew in or elicited the emotional responses just weren't there. And one of the best scenes that I can give you as an example of this, the scene where Simba is in the gorge and the wildebeest comes stampeding over the ridge of the gorge. You remember that scene? I do. Yes. Okay. I do. On that scene, as the wildebeest comes stampeding over the ridge, the music hits, you know, that woo, and, and the camera zooms in on Simba. He's got that shadowing on his face. His ears flatten out. He has that emotional look on his face and he legitimately looks terrified, right? You remember that mm -hmm. scene? Yes. That scene is stamped in my mind. I can picture that scene perfectly right now as I'm telling you to. In this movie, none of that happened. Simba looks up at the ridge as the wildebeest are coming over the ridge. The music plays, the camera's on Simba's face, and Simba looks at it like he's looking at a bug flying past. There's there's no movement of his ears. There's no change in the way his eyes look. There's no change in the way his mouth looks. He literally just stares at the wildebeest and then turns around and runs. And I'm like, oh, okay, that that scene really lost something there. I mm. I feel like I should be feeling something there. But looking at Simba, look at this and seem to not, I mean, he doesn't even cower. Like there is no body response whatsoever. And I think that's what they missed because animals still show fear. They just don't necessarily show it with their face. They show it in their body language. They show it with their ears. And that was one of the things that was really missing. The ears in this movie did not show because animals can show emotion with their ears and their ears did shit they did jack shit in this movie with their ears and i'm like what is going on how how can these animals not react at all to anything that like scares them and the other scene that i remember was the the scene where mufasa the scene after mufasa comes and rescues simba and nala from the hyenas at the elephant graveyard and he's walking them back to pride rock and he tells zazu to take simba home I have to have a chat with my son. And then they flash back to Nala and Simba and Simba kind of like cowers down in the grass and flattens his ears out and he looks scared again. Right. You remember that scene? Yeah. The scene in the movie and in, in, in the uh, live action remake, mm -hmm. the scene in the movie, Mufasa says, I have to have a talk with my son. And they flash back and Nala and Simba are just kind of standing there. And Simba's almost got that, that dog head cock going on the, Oh, what are we going to talk about, Dad? This is lots of fun. Let's do this. And it's like, what? What the f is going on? This is bullshit. I have no emotional connection to any of these characters whatsoever. And and then they made the decision because they wanted the hyenas to be more frightening. I guess was what they said. They wanted them to be more menacing, so they took out literally all of the hyena comedy from the animated cartoon. To be fair, they did add something back in, and, th and that was they had this one hyena who had no understanding of personal space whatsoever. Yeah. So he was he was always getting close to the hyena that was played by uh, Michael Keegan Ke or Keegan Michael Key. 
So that aside, literally they removed all of the hyena comedy from the previous movie. And, and I think that that's what screwed up one of the next things I'm going to complain about. Okay. That aside, Timon and Pumbaa actually were pretty good. I, I didn't really have too many problems with Timon and Pumbaa. They changed a couple of things, but nothing that I was like, the casting oh. was actually pretty good. Yeah, the casting was like, pretty good. For characters that you know their voices, like you can't say Timon and Pumbaa without hearing um Actually, I don't even know who did Pumbaa's voice, but Nathan, Nathan Lane, Lane and, and um oh god, what was that? Either way, but I you you can hear their voices. I knew the right. Nathan Lane part, but so when they when they announced Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, I'm like, oh okay. That's yeah, that's good. I can, I can, I can deal with that. That's fine. So th- they did fine, and they changed a couple of things, and they were actually, and they were actually the comedy relief in the movie, which is, which is understandable because I, if they had made them not comedic characters, I would have lost my effing mind. I, I would have walked out of the movie. I'm like, this, is, I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. But they were the comic relief, and they had a couple of really good lines, and I really loved the, the nod at the end of the movie. They didn't do the famous scene. For Timon and Pumbaa, the dress and dragon do the hula. They cut that out of the movie. That wasn't in the movie. But they had another scene that actually elicited a chuckle from me. Timon and because they they said they had to distract them. And spoiler alert, Timon and Pumbaa go out and they do a they do a song. It's just Timon does the be our guest song from Beauty and the Beast, which I thought was kind of funny, very clever and kind of funny. He he puts on this weird French accent and starts talking like Lumiere. And it, it worked. It was it was okay. And then they ran off and the hyenas chased them. And th- and then, of course, the one line that I really loved was when they were eating the bugs out of the log. And they're going, oh, these are great. And Pumbaa, Pumbaa looks at Timon and goes, yeah, these are local. And Timon goes, really? And he's like, yeah, it's from right there. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, that was kind of funny. So, but it's... Th- that was that was the lighthearted moment in the movie. Everything else was I, I just I was just like, oh my god. Then there was the eye roll moment with Timon and Pumbaa. That was one thing that I absolutely hated. They they took the they took the nod away to I believe it was uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier's character, uh, Mister Tibbs, because in in the original cartoon, the hyenas at, at the point where they where they chase uh, is it Timon? Yeah, they chase Timon into the cave. And mm-hmm. Pumbaa follows in, and the hyenas turn around and goes, "Hey, who's the pig?" And he he mimics De Niro from I think it's Taxi Driver. He mimics De Niro and says, "Are you talking to me?" Uh oh, they called him the pig. Are you talking to me? They shouldn't have done that. And he says, "They call me Mister Pig." That's a nod to Sir Lawrence Olivier's character, Mister Tibbs. But they took that scene out and replaced it with a scene that I literally out loud in the movie groaned and rolled my eyes. Because in the movie, they called him, uh, what was it they called him? Was it Chubby? Chubby. Yeah. Chubby. Yeah, who's who's the Chubby Pig or whatever? And he's like, are you talking to me? And, you know, they did that whole part. But then he goes, I will always stand up to bullies everywhere. And then he charges them. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That was the dumbest. I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> Especially considering he had been running away from bullies the first part of the movie. I'm like, what? Really? That was, we, we, all right, whatever. And and I audibly groaned in the movie and rolled my eyes. I think somebody turned and looked at me. <laughs> now, now, on uh, worried about making your head actually explode. Mm-hmm. You did mention 
some music related stuff. Now I I, I still I don't did. I still don't really remember that song. I've actually asked people and they mm-hmm. didn't remember that song. I asked Jimmy, I asked a couple other people and they didn't remember the that song either. Oh my um, god. Until, like I listened to it again and I eventually did remember it, but because you you claim it's one of the top 3 songs and uh, you know more about this than there's, I do. There's there's I've I, seen I, the Lion King once. I was I was mistaken. There's four iconic yeah, songs. Can you feel the, the love thing. tonight? Which is the number one. Yep. Circle of life, which I think everyone knows, obviously. Yep. And then Hakuna, Hakuna Matata. Matata. And Hakuna Matata. And then this yeah. song, I think. But um, right. you and, and some other lists. I did find the list have that song as number three. So go ahead and mock okay. the song or reveal the song, and then explain why we're talking. So, about it. so a lot of a lot of the Disney remakes have actually added something to the song repertoire, if you will. Beauty and the Beast added Evermore, which was a fantastic song, by the way. It's a great sequence with the Beast jumping from tower to tower as Belle rides away, and he sings this new song, and I love that song. It's a great addition to the musical soundtrack. In Aladdin, they add Speechless, and while it is a great song, I disliked where they chose to add the movie in and kind of make or add it into the movie and make it like a dream sequence. So, you know, she she does this whole bit about I won't go speechless, blah, blah, blah. You can't silence me, blah, 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 blah. And then we find out, oh, it's a dream sequence. She didn't really say that to anybody. It's kind of point. And then she decides to stand up and say something. But, you know, it was kind of like she was psyching herself up. She wasn't really making this statement to anybody other than herself, which is kind of stupid. Um, but in this one, they didn't add any new songs. And that's a damn shame because they had people like Beyonce in the movie who could have sung a new song. I'm just saying, Disney. Um, So they didn't add any new songs. And in fact, they removed one of the iconic songs from the movie. And like we said, there's four iconic songs. Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Hakuna Matata, Circle of Life, and Be Prepared. Be Prepared is recognized, actually, as one of the greatest Disney villain songs. It's it's in like it's in like numerous top tens as far as Disney villains go. And it is a great song for Scar. And they absolutely butchered it. 100% butchered it. They took it from a song to one spoken line and then Scar just yelling, be prepared for the rest of the song. I'm like, what the what just happened? This is bullshit. I, I I almost got up and walked out. I was so pissed. I was like, this is absolute garbage. What is going on? <laughs> and and part yikes. of it is what's that? I said yikes. And and part of it is that they took out the the hyena comedy from the movie. So they had because a lot of the a lot of the lines of that song references the hyenas being stupid. Mm-hmm. So they, I, I guess they felt like they had to edit the song and, and take it down a little bit. And, but then you're left with like one stanza and he just kind of talk sings it. They add like one line in that's not really in the song and he just kind of talk sings it. And then he does like one stanza and then he just jumps from rock to rock while the music plays and he yells, be prepared like six times. And I'm like, this fucking blows. I can't, I can't do this is garbage. I absolutely hated this section of the movie. And I actually, as far as the movie goes, I I hated it. I won't watch it again. Now, visually it was stunning. But again, for a movie that relies on the emotional connection that you have to the characters, they've completely done away with that. And and again, it's not just it's not just the animation that did it. Because I don't know how you felt about this, Greg, but the I felt that a lot of the actors' delivery of their lines 
was actually very mechanical. Like it was almost like they were just reading the script in in a voice. Liked, and I'm like, I really liked the kids that mm-hmm. were like the younger versions of the lines. I thought they were good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I thought Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner were good. I I always liked Donald Glover, but I was more like excited that it was Donald Glover for me to actually pay attention. So I'm I didn't quite catch mm-hmm. that. Occasionally, Scar did not sound sinister enough. Well, and that was one of the big ones, Scar. And that is that's the example I'm going to give you. Okay. As as far as them delivering their lines, and it, I really feel like it would have helped, especially at that pivotal emotional moment in the movie when Scar throws Mufasa off the top of the cliff, right? Damn it, man. Spoiler. In, I know, right? In the original Lion King, as Jeremy Irons delivers that line, long live the king, You, the, the malice and hatred as he delivers that line is palpable. Do you remember that that scene, Jimmy? Not, not really. No, when no, it's been such a long time. Scar, Scar leans down and delivers the line, "Long live the king!" As he throws him off, right? And the, the, like I said, the malice and hatred that he puts into those words is absolutely palpable. And and then to have it go to this movie, where one, the characters themselves on screen don't actually show any emotion, and two, the actor delivering the line to to elicit emotion just puts a pause between the words. And I'm like, what? So as Scar is throwing Mufasa off the top of the cliff, he goes, long live the king. And I'm like, wait, we're okay. Is this- Does he actually mean it? Like, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I'm like, there is, there is no emotional impact behind any, behind almost any of the big emotional moments. It's a, it's a little bit of a reference to an earlier part of the movie. Because of uh, Simba being like, isn't it be weird that I'm going to be the king someday, Uncle Scar? Mm-hmm. Like, not realizing that Scar really wants to be king. Kinda. He's like, I'm going to get to tell you what to do someday. Right. He's like, oh, well, then long live the king. Yeah. Like, he says it earlier, but when he goes back to do it, and he's actually being sarcastic, so to speak. Right. And so when you have the actors who deliver these lines with no emotion, and you've removed the emotion from the faces of the animals, you completely lose that empathetic response that you're supposed to elicit in the viewer. And I was, I I literally had no feeling about, you know, Mufasa dying or, you know, Simba taking it back. You know, I was like, this is all right. I really don't care at this. And, and that's a shame because the original Lion King was so good. And people still talk about how they cried when Mufasa died. And I'm like, I, I felt jack shit this time around. I was like, the world of beast stampede is actually one of like the technological marvels of that era of disney mm-hmm. animation like th- that movie the lion king people didn't know if it was going to be a success because it was one of the first disney movies that was all animals no people right. and combined computer animation which was unfounded at the time and traditional animation with a bunch of other things going against it and it did great obviously uh, i read a really interesting review and we're, we're not always kind to reviewers. Well, I'm more kind than most people to reviewers and critics, but I thought this one, her article is really well written. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Ashley D. Stevens. Like I, I read it and I was like, oh, that's, I'm going to take her name down. Uh, she works for the website Salon. She reviewed this movie and she kind of opens over her sentence or her review with saying it's like when you go to like one of those food tastings from like a fancy chef mm-hmm. that is like all nostalgia based and they're like, you know, we're going to make the meal that used to come home to every day after school that your mom made, but we're going to make it fancy, you know, and it'll be something like 
you know, instead of your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it's going to be almond butter and fig on a served on a, I don't know, GI Joe sky striker or something. Or like, um, you know, your mac and cheese that came out of the package. Now it's going to be mac and cheese. It's truffle mac and cheese and you get to eat it with a Rubik's cube, you know, some random shit like that Mm -hmm. where it's all fancy and nice. But when you bite into it, it doesn't actually elicit those feelings of nostalgia towards what you had when you got home from school. Um, or what mom used to make. And that's kind of this, like it had the beautiful stuff. It looked like real animals. Every hair was in the right spot. All the shadows were in the right spot, everything, but, but the substance just wasn't there. Right. Yeah. But didn't have and a heart that, like you meant. And that's my biggest complaint is that there was no heart in the lion King. And for the lion King, that is uh, for being the lion King. And I mean, we're talking about one of the, I would, I would dare say one of the most popular Disney movies of our generation. Yes, I agree. Jimmy? Um, yeah, yeah. Of our generation, yes. No, I agree with that. I mean, people who grew up in our generation, this is the movie that a lot of them will cite as their favorite Disney movie of all time. Yes? Yes. So I, I really feel like they did Lion King a disservice. This, in my opinion, this movie is straight up garbage. I would not recommend you go see it in the theater. I, I'm... I'm irritated that I paid full price to go see it. I, I had to go see it because Jen has to go see it. But Disney, you screwed the pooch on this one. This is a total shit fest. Told you he was angry, I'm, guys. I'm intrigued more than I was before. I, I won't pay full price for it uh, based on that, but I'm really interested now. And that's And that's just me sitting here and stewing for a week. Or for a couple of days. I, initially, my my feeling on it was a $5 movie. Go see a $5 movie or the dollar theater. That's that's really all I would pay to go see this movie that I've already seen that's a that it's a much poorer version. My uh, fr- from the 6-year-old viewpoint, he was he was very sad and scared of the um of course the death scene, but mm-hmm. when we asked him afterwards which one he liked better, he liked the cartoon one better. Also, mm-hmm. he is very excitable about movies, so he he's the he sees a movie and he is that character for the rest of the day. You know, mm-hmm. walking around the not movie theater, but the shopping center and movie theaters in he'll if it was a ninja movie, he'll be a ninja, you know, whatever. He was not mm-hmm. running around roaring and lot like a lion. Afterwards he was not he didn't really talk about it after that. He didn't care. No, he he was not as invested as when we've watched the Blu ray version of it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that may be my rant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I just, we we're canceling your rant for this episode because you ranted for 30 minutes. I essentially ranted in the middle of the episode. There you go. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. But don't stop listening right now because, well, Rob, go ahead and just announce the movies that you made us watch it. <laughs> so my choice for the 80s summer throwback movie this week is a movie that I watched as a kid and I loved as a kid. And watching it now, I have no idea why I loved it. But still, <laughs> I watched... I watched it as a kid and I loved this movie. And at one point, literally, this movie was the most aired movie on cable television. Yes. And I, and I think that's because TNT got a hold of, was it TNT? I think it was TNT, TNT and HBO. Oh mm. my God. TNT got a hold of it sorry, and TV, ran it. TBS and HBO. Oh, TBS. That's right. It was TBS. It's TBS would people used to call it the Beastmaster station and HBO. Yes. Jimmy already said it. Yes. And, and hey, T- Beastmaster. And it would, it would, TBS would run this show like every day, three times a day. And I'm like, oh my God, you could watch Beastmaster anytime you wanted. And I will say that after watching it this time around, I didn't realize all that nudity was in it because I only ever watched the edited version on television. Yeah, same here. I was like, whoa, there's boobs in this. (laughs) Yes, there were. So 
let's let let me let me just go over this. So the first week we decided to do this, I reintroduce us to Legend of Billie Jean. No actual nudity, but there is a near rape of what a sixteen or seventeen year old. I don't remember how old she was. So like, okay, wow, I didn't, I forgot about that part in this movie I watched when I was eleven, hmm. or actually younger because it was before I moved, so it was eight, nine years old. And then last week, of course, Jimmy introduces us to Sleepaway Camp, and You're welcome. and uh, yes, Dong at the end. Yep. So I'm watching Beastmaster, and they have the witches. Uh, one of which, Janet Jones. Miss Wayne Gretzky, by the way, from uh, also from American Anthem and a bunch of other movies. Hmm. And it starts off with the witches doing their witch thing. And you see a little bit of buttons like and their backs are to the camera, of course. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, Rob has cleansed the palette from the previous two weeks movies. And then they cut in for a close look and melted faces. Yep. Had you not seen this before? I had. I just didn't, I, I didn't really remember. I remember that. I didn't remember that. I remembered the ferrets <laughs> and I remembered the quicksand and I didn't remember a part until it happened. But. So we are three for three in movies that we watched as children that were horribly disturbing. Yes. Uh, let me just give the summary real quick, and then we'll kind of break it down. We're not going to really Go summarize. We're not going to really uh, recap this, but we are going to – I think we should just pick and choose some of the weird-ass parts. Um, the summary is a sword and sorcery fantasy about a young man's search for revenge. Armed with supernatural powers, the handsome hero and his animal allies wage war against marauding forces. Directed by Don Coscarelli of what fame, Jimmy? Uh, he wrote the screenplay and directed Bubba Hotep. And Phantasm, nice. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Phantasm. Yep. All 140 of them. Yes. Starring Mark Singer before he was on the TV show V, Tanya Roberts, Rip Torn, which is ironic because he just died like last week, mm-hmm. well, two weeks ago when we re- released this. John Amos. And that may, that may have been what made me think about it and think about doing this. I didn't even realize it was him until I started, until I started rewatching it. I was like, oh my God. John Amos, who I mm-hmm. very much remember from a Die Hard movie. Yep. And Joshua Milrad, who played the uh, young kid and now is like a director or something in Hollywood. And a bunch of other people. So, uh, Rob, I, I think I know the answer here, but what did you like about this movie back in the day? Um, I think I liked the overall theming of it. It was very swords and sorcery kind of thing. And I was I was into that as a kid. <laughs> the Even even then, I was into the swords and sorcery. Um, but Tanya Roberts. <laughs> Uh, who just so happens to have red hair. Ah, oh, what a coincidence. In the movie, yep. I think she's a blonde in real life, but in the movie. And Jimmy, yep, you had you, you had seen this before. Yeah. What I, it, I, how, did, how did it hold up to your rewatch? Um, I can remember being scared of it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. The uh, leather-winged uh, hawk people. Those guys are awesome. That freaked me out, and, and I remember feeling that sense of dread when I was watching it. Like, why am I? Oh, crap, it's those things. Um quicksand yes that that introduced quicksand to me and i thought it was everywhere yeah we we actually so talked about I, that on this show we things that we thought was gonna be a bigger deal when we were kids quicksand was one quicksand of them. and i i think this is it um remember the glaive or not the the glaive but the uh the weapon there um it just bits and pieces i i remember enjoying it while i was a kid but maybe back then i didn't realize how badass this movie actually is because that's how I feel about it now. This movie kicks ass. <laughs> it just had well, it had its twentieth, its thirty fifth anniversary in two thousand seventeen. Kind of, but uh, I, I got, I have some notes here, just like you took last week, Rob. Yeah, There's a couple little things it. I gotta, gotta bring up as we go through here. Now, this is available on YouTube out there, guys. I did post mm-hmm. a link to it 
on our Facebook page, Gibby Five Podcast. Just look it up. That's five F I V E. Now, from the very opening credits, again, I hadn't seen this since very young. The opening credits, like the name of the company that produced it, I had never heard of before, and it was something ridiculous. Yeah, it's the Leisure Investment Company. So I the, thought I clicked the wrong link, and I was like, "Oh, is this a timeshare like <laughs> presentation that I'm about to watch?" It'd be so funny if it was Beastmaster timeshare. You yeah. like stay in the locations where they shot Beastmaster. Nice. Hi guys, and I'm Dar. <laughs> Come stay on this mountain. Swing a sword around. Tiger or stick a, or a tree go. tree trunk. Yes. Commune with the animal. Oh yeah, I've got I got some on that. So. Yeah, so it's you know, anytime it's an investment company that's making your movie that I actually, when it's that outright about it, I'm always a little like, uh, okay. Yeah, two movies, Beastmaster and 1980s Fade to Black. That's it. Which we'll have to watch at some point. So I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. Uh, and then I was like, so we got that. Then, of course, I saw the credits, you know, Rip Torn. I was like, what? And uh, then we had uh, Mark Singer, and I was like, Yes. I forgot Mark Singer was in this, or like was. He's this. the freaking star, dude. I know, but I like I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh my I was God. Like, what? Because you know I haven't actually seen Mark Singer in a long time. Hmm. And then, uh, and then like the second I started remembering this movie was the like I kind of jumped around a little bit at first and then went back, but I saw the ferrets. Oh, it's this movie. Okay. Yeah. Now it's coming back. Yeah. And like, let, there's some <laughs> there were some problematic parts of this movie. Have to say. Like yeah, there were like the um, flirtation oh, with the, sla the slave girl was uh, where he's, you know, Beastmaster, your hero is basically kind of feigning uh, raping her. No, no, I, I don't think that's what it was. He he was he was doing the thing that every guy tries to do. And if he can set it up, he would. It's the he's trying to impress her. But then, yes, he does kind of force himself on her. But then she, it seems like she kind of plays along. Yeah. yeah. And I actually wrote down that Dar is now uh, grown and he's roaming through the countryside using his beast to steal the panties of bathing women. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the panther get, just gives up. He's trying to scare him away. Well, in actuality, that wasn't actually a black panther. Um, that was a striped tiger dyed black. Yep. And you could tell because around his face, the dye kept on coming off. Yeah. Because when the it, tiger uh, had to, like, drink or whatever. Of course. Um, so. Go ahead. There were a lot of things I didn't remember about this until I saw the ferrets. And, and I think that's the direction you were going to go with it. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly didn't remember the intro. I remember the witches being ugly and waiting for them to show up. But I wrote down um, just a couple of things here. Ugly witch cow baby is rescued by glaive-wielding bald man. <laughs> and then which cow baby pacifies a bear and grows up really fast. Yep. So um, I did not remember that whole beginning. I, I don't think I actually remembered any of it until he was grown. Yeah, I wonder if that wasn't on the TV. No, it was. I remembered it after I saw it. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's also kind of the weird, boring part, so it's most likely that's escaped our brains. Um, then I, I think we're going to jump ahead. I think we can jump ahead a little. Well, uh, here. The, no, 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 no. It's interesting. Yeah, there's there's definitely some stuff we need to talk about. The the bad guy, Rip Torn. Uh-huh. He goes from just being like Jafar basically, right? To mm -hmm. he escalates very quickly into his realm of evilness where he like imprisons the king or is it king, I guess. Yeah. And it goes from that to like legions of dark denizens and zombie armies. Very quick. Yes. So, like, okay. So what what did I skip over that you needed to uh to chat about? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no the 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 once once uh dar's village is wiped out by the jund horde he he immediately drops his tunic and and uh, dar is side. our hero by the way yeah he immediately drops his tunic and scythe and dresses in as little as he possibly can to go out adventuring into the world um he, i yes. mean he, he i, I not taking nothing away from mark singer he was in great shape for this movie and they showed it off at every opportunity that they got mm-hmm. um and he puts on this loincloth and that's all he wears for the rest of the this loincloth and which is odd because before that he was wearing like a full on like tunic and all that other shit and and his idea of practicing with the sword is like reaping grass i'm like what is what is he doing <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's just just swinging the sword at his feet, just repeatedly, just swing, 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 and then he does it on a mountain, swing, 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 and, and then, then he, he does it as he's run. running down a river, swing, yep. swing. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> is that sword practice? Uh, uh, I guess. Yeah, start swinging along. <laughs> that was the actual the first part I jumped to. I jumped when I was clicking around the first scene I saw with mm-hmm. him on the on the mountain with the sword, and I'm like, I kind of remember this, but this could have been any movie. With him up there. But yeah, that's I guess all of us could be sword warriors too if we just take off our clothes and swing a sword around. There's yep. no way that could end badly. Not at all. So yeah, there's that. Um and then they as I was talking about with this evil bad guy thing, I I yeah. gotta talk about the tossing the child off the pyramid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because again, this yeah. is a movie I saw when I was just maybe a year or two older than said child. And they cut to it and the guy's on a pyramid, which is actually, I mean, I guess they built a pyramid for a lot of money, but from some of the shots, it really does look like a model. Oh, um, a, a lot of the, a lot of the shots where people aren't on it are models. You can, yeah. you can tell looking at some of the pic, like the, the from pictures of the cities. The distance. And, yeah. The, the, the pictures of the cities and stuff from a distance, they're all miniature models. Yeah. But they did build a pyramid for the close up shots. So they've got, he's on top of it, holding this kid above his head, like sideways. I think this is why I didn't like this movie when I was a kid. Like, it was a badass movie, but I remembered at that point, like, there was a part that I used to have to leave the room for. And it was definitely the guy throwing the child into the burning pit of coal and wood and fire off Mm -hmm. of this pyramid. I was like, why did my parents let me watch this? (laughs) (laughs) It was a different time in the 80s, my friend. Yeah, to, like, sacrifice it to this this dark god. And then it doesn't work, of course, because, you know, duh. So they go out there to rescue or to pick another child. And of course, Beastmaster has now in, has now invaded this area to kind of see what's going on and sees them take this, which this is a scene that you've seen a lot in various fantasy movies and stuff where you, the, good, the hero is like in the crowd with like a hood on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the one other time he's wearing actual clothes and he sees them take this kid up and the father's like crying and et cetera, et cetera. And the guy's about to pick up the kid and he sends his falcon to fly down and grab said kid before he falls in the <laughs> fire, which I am not a physicist. I did not take physics class, but I don't think that would work. A five ounce bird cannot carry a one pound coconut or a 40 pound child. <laughs> yes. But it was awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah, it was. And it was very clear that they had like, I, I'm pretty sure it was a falcon flying away with a, a dummy of a, of a kid. Oh, I'm, of course it was. It was awesome. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a CG that was a very poor attempt at a CG dummy. Because if you look at the replays, the Falcons flying away, the the dummy is kind of moving around in the in the Falcons claws. Because I'm pretty sure it was like they tied some like inflatable like balloon in the shape of a kid to 
a falcon. Yeah, and no, it, it was it was so big that I'm I'm fairly certain that it was a uh, an overlay like they did in a couple of other. Oh, okay, like like animated hand animated. Like they had they had like a little um, a construction paper cut out, mm-hmm. just kind of <laughs> like a little tiny one, and put it over each frame. Yeah, pretty much, and, and like pushed it around with tweezers. Watch, watch that, watch that scene again, and I, tell me what you think. Looking at it, I, I don't think I want to. What else you got? I thought that for being, you know, kind of a hokey movie, it actually had a decent progression as far as the plot went. The I, I totally forgot about how he made friends with the with the bat guys that dissolve people because they apparently worship falcons, and he had a falcon that traveled with him. So they were like, "Oh, here, take this. If you ever need us, you know." This this is basically your calling card. Send this to us and we will come aid you or whatever. But they never really spoke or anything. So they were they were cool. Uh, yeah, the, the animals were neat. I actually liked the the mindless warrior aspect of it. The the super strength uh, hell warrior or whatever. They yeah, were they like tied the yep. guys down. And I actually kind of liked the, the little attack sequence where the, the mindless warrior was running through the catacombs and dungeons. Yeah, like chasing after great. the ferrets. But he ended up killing Acolytes. all the um, the monks from uh, yep, from Doctor Strange, yeah. and and how <laughs> as I was watching this, I was like, these are the worst archers ever. What the hell? The scene where they were on the boat and they they hijacked. Oh yeah, they were like they were about five feet away. They were close enough for the archers to get them, but ten feet away. The art of the air were splashing. No, they weren't splashing, no, into, they the weren't splashing into the water. That was the part that I was like, what the? Because if they were splashing into the water, that w- I would have been like, okay, they're trying to make you think that the boat's farther away than what it actually is. It's just bad filming. No, it wasn't. They were literally like 10 feet away from the dock and the archers launched bolts into the, the, the decorative the headpiece decorative that was on the thing. front of the boat like six times. They fired six bolts that lodged in that decorative headpiece at the front of the boat. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, these guys suck. <laughs> what is that? It was actually that docking mechanism was actually really intricate for the movie. I, was, I found it the, the rope thing, like the way that the, the yeah, they were, like the way they're like, yeah, that actually has appeared but in several, also, in several movies. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but in several medieval mm-hmm. style movies, uh, one that comes, one that comes to me off the top of my head is a knight's tale. Do you remember a Knight's oh, Tale, which is available free? Yeah, it's available free on Netflix right when now they, or, or Prime. When right they now. were taking the boat back to, when they were taking a boat across the channel to London, the guy was walking back and forth, having a conversation with them, and he'd put the rope on his shoulder and he'd walk to the other end of the boat, turn around, walk back, walk to the other other end, and he was using the rope basically to pull the boat across the channel. Hmm. So that's that's actually a, oh, okay. a mechanism that has appeared in several movies. Hmm. That part I actually liked. Uh, Right before that, there was a part that I didn't quite think was necessary, but that would be um, when they revealed John Amos in his warrior yeah. lingerie. <laughs> when he makes his grandstand and flings off his cloak, and he's basically wearing something. An from, S&M catalog. I don't know. Yeah, like, I was thinking basically Zardoz. Um, yeah, uh, I, all the the bad guy warriors were dressed like um, Mad Max uh, Road Warrior-like extras yeah <laughs> i thought that was pretty amazing they all look like lord humongous yeah with all the little spikes on their arms and everything spikes mm-hmm. and leather and like studded face masks yep. for some reason it's pretty yeah. great and then following that up after that big escape that you were mentioning so they go rescue these these girls and and one of them is that slave girl from the beginning i yeah. think right Kiri. 
Um, and they just, they have the the kiss, which I haven't seen this in a while. There was a lot mm-hmm. of tongue in that kiss. Like uh, there was there was a lot of tongue. And I'm pretty sure she was married to to David Carradine at the time. I have no idea. Just, oh, it it gets even weirder than that. Right. And and I, I'm guessing from the conversation that we've had so far that you guys didn't pick up on it. But uh, I'll I'll touch on that towards the end. Uh, yeah, you mean the fact yes, that they're like that's related? it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, she, wait, she's wait, your cousin, wait bro. Second. What are you what? doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Did not pick up on that, you know, 25 yeah, I, years ago. I, I totally didn't I did catch now, that yeah. when I watched it as a kid, but I certainly caught it this time. I'm like, wait a minute. If if this this kid that they're trying to help is the son of the king, and Dar is also the son of the king, and the young kid refers to this girl as his cousin, meaning the king's the king's sister's daughter because that's what she was her her mother was the king's sister um bro you guys are related what what's going on yeah, yeah, i don't right. care it was the 80s yeah just as long as he doesn't break her scooter exactly repace hey. right after he breaks it i guess nice okay uh the practical sets for some of the invasion like like the prison when they're like mm-hmm. going to break people out I remember that the the walk clearly, through the prison um, as they were trying the, to rescue the king. Yeah, yes, yeah, with all the like beasts and angry people behind mm-hmm. the things. I, I very distinctly remember that. I also, for some reason, I remembered that big like skull shaped rock yep. that was kind of being pulled pulled out like that. Those things very clearly stuck in my memory. Um, and yeah, just you know, because it's a weird movie with a low budget, and it might you know it did what it could with its budget. Uh, there were actually a lot of really good aerial mm-hmm. shots in this movie. There were. Which ha- were not easy to do back then. It's not like they were just flying a drone around. Like, they had to bring a yeah. helicopter out there to wherever in California. They had a very well-trained Falcon that they could have strapped a camera to because it could obviously carry a child. <laughs> it's true. So I think the Falcon was Actually, uh, I think the Falcon was, was really a golden eagle. And it also uh, was not very well-trained because it refused to fly most so they had to actually literally yes. drop it out of a box that was tied to a balloon to get it to fly because it was if they didn't they dropped it out of the box and it decided it was going to either fly or fall to the ground so that's how they got those shots hmm. i watched a little bit of the making of documentary as well wow <laughs> um and and one other thing i thought was good i actually really liked the fire pit sequence towards the end i know we're kind of jumped we're kind of jumping around a little bit the fire pit sequence i thought was really good when he when he kicks the one dude in the fire pit to light it up, mm-hmm. like that sequence, I remember yeah. being like, yeah. yeah, as a kid, a little less impact because of pacing, but no, you know what I did? Yeah. I wrote on the little kind of notes just to kind of remember where I'm at uh, when I'm watching it. I wrote in all kit, all caps, fire pit, drop kick, exclamation mark. Yeah. And then I thought what a cool, like death metal band fire pit drop kick would be like a death metal band with a wrestling theme. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Please cover do death metal songs of, of wrestling themes. Of walkout yeah. songs. Do it. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first, guys. Nice. Jimmy's getting the band back together. Fire pit dropkick. Uh, that actual, that, that approach on that last attack when all of the, whatever they're called, I don't even know their names, but I called them death, death beast guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were attacking, that actually looked a lot like the Game of Thrones attack yeah. from episode three of season yeah. eight. Except it was better. Except it was better. Lit. Exactly. I was like, oh, like it was almost exactly the same framing. Like, I mean, there's not really much you can do with that type of framing. It's sideways, but um, definitely saw that. Um, 
So what else, Rob? Your movie, I believe. I, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, it's it's a cheesy 80s flick. It's great if you're in a nostalgia mood. I, I found myself enjoying it far less now than I did as a kid because it is significantly worse. We have more logic. Yeah. and it, it is significantly worse yeah. than I remember, but it's it's still a fun 80s romp. So if if you're into that kind of thing, I definitely recommend checking it out. It's It's fun for about an hour and a half, so... And the movie's like, how the hell did they get that tiger up on top of the mountain for the end shot? And the movie's like an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. So I, I need to know, how did they get that tiger on top of a freaking mountain? A helicopter. For we already established they had a helicopter. for. And like the, the poor thing is up there, dyed black on top of a very narrow mountain pass with this jackass swinging a sword around. Like there's no way that they probably, mm. there's probably a tiger skeleton on top of a mountain somewhere in, in Utah right now. No, the, the eagle yeah. flew it up oh, there. Yeah, that's what it was. It was, they're just like, okay, we're done filming was, the movie. Let's go. It was one of the oh, eagles from the Lord of the Rings cartoon. Idiot. Yeah, we're going to, what are we going to do with this tiger? Uh, just leave it up here. We just won't be able to put that little notification that no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Okay. I want to ask one last question okay. to you, Rob. The question we asked before, does it need to be remade, modernized, as it were? Uh, I would be afraid that this movie would lose a lot in a modernization retelling, but I could... I could get behind that if they kept the if they kept the overall feel of the movie, the the overall aesthetic, you know what I mean? The the story itself wasn't bad. I did like that he can kind of control like I'll say warg, but yep. you know what I mean, like into the animals and control it. I thought that was a cool idea. You uh you kind of took the words out of my mouth a little bit, Greg. Um I think that once this petition reaches however many signatures it needs to have season 9 of Game of Thrones remade, uh, this is going to be the the proper telling of season nine and what actually happens to Bran and why he deserves because he can control a freaking Bran the Beastmaster. So this movie actually played into our give me five question of the night because the movie actually features a significantly cool throwing weapon. And so the question we came up with for this week is what are your top five throwing weapons from the 80s? Oh, my. Yeah. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Go for it. Because I'm tired of it getting stolen away from me. Okay, so I'm going to go first. You bastard. <laughs> My number five, this is Jimmy, by the way. Number five is going to be the Shuriken, and that's just kind of a generic one because there was mm -hmm. a, a big resurgence of uh, ninja movies in the 80s. Mm -hmm. There was. Hell so yeah. we're talking Enter the Ninja, American Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, etc. So that's my number five. My number four is going to be the Feral Kids Boomerang from Mad Max, The Road Warrior. And the movie we spoke about tonight, The Beastmaster, featured a lot of extras from that movie, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. Here's where things might get a little bit controversial. Uh, the caber from Beastmaster did not make my top pick. It fell to number three. <gasps> I know. But Lies. I think the throwing weapons that I finished my list with are, are deserved of their spots. Number two is going to be the light disc or the identity disc from the movie Tron. And number one is the glaive from Krull, which we yes. will have to review at some point. Rob and I just saw it in a theater about yeah. five months ago. Also not as good as I remembered. <laughs> yeah, no, it really wasn't. Very, very slowly paced. About an hour longer than needs. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Go for uh, it. I did have, there's something that I wanted on my list, but I think it was more, it was a generic weapon. And that would be the grenades from, from the grenade scene in Spies Like Us. 
But mm-hmm. I think so. It was a. It didn't quite make my list because it's it's a generic weapon that could have been. I could have said grenades and Rambo or whatever, but it wasn't. It didn't quite go that way. So I decided to bump that and replace it with something just like a grenade. That would be the thermal detonator from Return of the Jedi, even though you didn't actually see it get thrown. Okay, but it was it's a meant cool to be looking, thrown. Yeah, it's meant to be thrown. It's a cool device, and in later incarnations, you do see them thrown. Basically, video games and stuff. My number four, just like Jimmy's number four, the Feral Kids Boomerang from Road Warrior. Uh, my number three, also just like Jimmy, the Caber. Very cool looking thing. I don't think aerodynamically that thing would fly though. No. Number number two, the disc from Tron or the memory disc, the, the cool looking frisbee with neon glow that looks awesome. Although it looks much better in the more recent version. And number one, again, the glaive from Crawl. Well. I'm surprised. I, got, I actually came up with two that you guys had either forgotten or didn't care about. Um, but at number five, I'm going to put one of the ones that was left out simply because I didn't really watch the movies. But it's an item that I don't know if at any point it was actually thrown. I think it might have been magical, but I'm tossing it in anyway. Mm-hmm. Huh, see what I did there? <laughs> it's going to be the ball from Phantasm. Yeah, it's close. We, I, I'll accept it. It's thematic. It's more of a he puts out his hand and it kind of flutters away. Think, uh, mm-hmm. think, uh, snitch or whatever. The that... snitch. Yeah, yeah, it flies on its own, kind of. And it's, that's it's a, it's a. We'll say that's a throw, Jimmy. That's kind of why it's number five. Jimmy, is there anger? Is there rage for that pick? Yeah, not at all. Okay, a little annoyed. I didn't think of it to be honest. I did three D print one for someone. Hmm. At number four, it is a souped up version of the Shuriken. And that's going to be the Batarang. Son of a bitch. Because Ugh. the Batman movie oh, came wow. out in 1989. Yep. It counts. Nice pick. Damn it. So I'm going to put the Batarang at number four. At number three, God, I really want to put it at number two. But I think our number one through three are all going to be the same. I really like the design of the Caber from the Beastmaster. Even though I don't think it would fly all that well, it's kind of heavy and kind of clunky, and it looks like it would just kind of flop around a little bit. But I want to take like that. a flail, like a flailing appendage. Yes, um, there we go. I, I, but I gotta, I gotta put the, I gotta put the caber at number three, three. because the light disc, just oh. in overall coolness factor, the identity disc from Tron. What I the think. Hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> he turned into a bullfrog for a second. I did. I did. <laughs> what you say? Did, did I burp while I was talking? No, like your microphone cut out and did like a <laughs> when you said three. I'm gonna leave it in. Usually we edit that kind of stuff out, but oh but, god, that was funny. <laughs> okay. like it went weird. And I was like, what the hell? And then Jimmy had to it chimed in and just lost his mind. Okay, sorry. Your number three is a bullfrog, apparently. Is, is the caber from Beastmaster. There you go. At number two, I've got to put the light disc identity disc because mm-hmm. just the coolness factor from the from the light disc is is amazing. That that it bounces around and you yeah. know, just all the things that it did in the movie. It was a it was one of the focal points. And at number one, it has to be the glaive from Crawl. There you go. And I think actually we don't we haven't been doing these because it takes too much time. But I think we might be able to just kind of drop both mine and Jimmy's Ooh. number five, move the yep. boomerang down to five, and stick the batarang at number four. And that would there probably give us so That's it'd be the it. glaive, the light disc, the caber, the batarang, and then the um, boomerang. I think that would yeah. probably be the the definitive list there. Um, that was super easy. 
for our definitive yeah, list. There you go. No arguing at all. Well, go out and get them, kids. It was interesting because like there wasn't actually a lot. Like when I when we posed the question, it was I saw something that was like they mentioned it in this movie. Like oh, the Cabers were the second coolest throwing up throwing thing, and I was like, okay, there has to be a lot of others. And then I was like, most of the stuff that I thought of, like it was either a thrown object that they didn't really throw, or it was something that was common, like Rambo throwing a knife, mm-hmm. or the Ghostbusters they kind of tossed the ghost catcher thing, but like. It wasn't like an aerodynamic situation. I don't know. It was it was actually interesting, but it was fun because I got to watch a bunch of videos of like dudes in the eighties throwing stuff. So yeah, I was I was totally surprised that neither one of you came up with the battery. Yeah, and I'm glad. I'm glad. Like that's one of the reasons I kind of like to do this like on our own, so that we don't immediately like screw up and pick the exact same ones. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Rob already did his rant. If you're interested in hearing Rob <laughs> rant, just listen to the <laughs> to thirty minutes of him talking about the Lion King, uh, Jimmy. If people come up with their own throwable 80s objects, what uh, where can they reach us? They can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me 5 podcast. You can connect with us on, on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Give Me 5 Pod. You can email us directly at Give Me 5 Podcast at gmail.com. And the five in all of those is spelled out F I V E. Awesome. Next week. We have a, I believe, a special guest. Um, I'm working on it. So Jimmy's working on a special guest. That special guest will mm-hmm. be picking our 80s movie yes. and assigning it to us. So when that happens, when we square everything away, keep your eye on our Facebook page or our Instagram or whatever else, and you'll see the announcement of the movie. If it is something that we can that you can easily access on like a YouTube or something like that, we will post the link. Um, otherwise yep. most of these movies we've been watching if it is something you have to pay for or whatever if you want to play along they're like two bucks on Amazon prime mm-hmm. uh beastmaster is three dollars for rental not be well yeah for example yeah. um because i know in two weeks well you'll just see we have plans I have, I, in two weeks i get to pay and it's the the end of the summer and school will be starting soon oh <gasps> Guys, got a couple of more things real quick for you. We do have merchandise. You can find that at giveme5podcast.threadless.com. You can also check out our website directly, download from there if you'd like, at giveme5.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And if you could, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your choice of podcast listening provider. Thanks for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. The one thing I was fascinated with is how they kept the animals. Uh, buddy, I'm recording. <laughs> okay, I get it. Thank you, bud. The fly is back. Okay.